Welcome to this special podcast of Arts Equator focused on research in dance and theatre in Singapore. The intention of this podcast is to bring together young and emerging artist researchers that are about to graduate from different schools of dance, theatre, different schools and programs of dance and theatre in the country. Today we have Pei Jung Chua from the BA Honors Dance at La Salle College of the Arts, Adam Lau from Yale and US Liberal Arts, and Rani Stay from Theatre Studies at the National University of Singapore. My name is Felipe Cervera and I am a theatre and academic and researcher and a lecturer at La Salle. And it is my great honor to be here today with these three exciting artist researchers and also accompanying us is Cathy Rowland, the managing editor of Arts Equator. So let's kick this off. How about that? Um, guys, why don't we do a quick round of introductions and as you introduce yourselves, uh, why don't you tell us more about your research project that uh, is a research project that you're graduating with. And at the same time, why don't you share some thoughts about how do you perceive research? What is research for you? And how do you think that we can bridge theory and practice in Singapore? How do we make research more amicable in the arts? Adam, shall we start with you? Yeah, hi, I'm Adam. Um, I'm majoring in arts and humanities. I'll be graduating from Yale and US in May. Um, I'm currently working on my final year capstone thesis thing. It's a mix of like a creative writing and academic writing and also like personal stories, letters, correspondences with other people. Um, it looks specifically at like the intersection between performance art and our daily performances with one another. Um, so for me, I actually really dislike research and writing, especially art criticism and all these things. I think, I don't know, in my mind, there's too much of that in like research institutes or universities um, but not so much like about bringing research and practice together which is what we're talking about today um, so in my own work I think I'm how I work is I'm more interested in like moving my body before I actually start looking into it or start reflecting and I don't know where I should go with this yeah I've, I've encountered a lot of frustration with that um, especially in for me in a higher education where they are teaching you so much about in my school at least like critical thinking, like essay writing and all these things. I'm just really bored. I just want to like, do some things. Yeah, and hi, I'm Peiyun. I'm from LaSalle. I'm in the BA Honors Dance Program. And um, on a daily basis, I work with my body a lot. So in my research, I was looking at how the idea of touch can be used in the choreographic tool of making. So for my paper, it's called Skinship. And for it, it's a kinesthetic tactile approach to how I make dance. Uh, research for me is a way to further an idea. So whatever is existing already, whatever I've experienced, how can I then take that and put it in my body and, you know, in a way almost create something quite personal for me. I'm very interested in how, you know, movements can almost manifest from within, so from a sensation, which is also why I choose to work on touch because it's something very personal. And even though I have a group of dancers that I'm working with, each of them experiences, experiences it differently. So a lot of times when we do such things, we then start to look at what is form in dance and how that can then be almost broken down. How can it, how can sensation then manifest in our movements and then find a more visceral approach to actually creating movements? I'm Renice. I'm um, in theatre studies in NUS. And my thesis is about the performing body in the process of embodiment. So it's actually titled The Becoming Body because 
I believe that the body becomes every moment, it evolves, it changes every, every moment. And that is a part of embodiment. And I think like Adam, my education has been focusing a lot on critical thought mm-hmm. and, and how do we um, transmit knowledge via writing itself, which to some extent I find, I mean, it's effective to some extent, but I find that it can be potentially problematic because mm-hmm. then we start to label things as if we already know them because we understand them on a linguistic level. But a lot of the arts practice is really integral because every person's body is different. So the only way I I realize I can understand theory is because I can relate it back to my own um physical experience and my own bodily experience and and I think that's how um knowledge doesn't just only get absorbed but it gets transformed and it and then it and then when knowledge is transformed then it stops being dead. It stops being like it stops living only on a piece of paper. It starts being something that we can share with other people. And I think that that has to find a way to come back in the way we do research, which is why I wanted to, my research to be very practice-based instead of purely theoretical. Both of you kind of talked a bit about your own research. I'm curious, um, especially for pain, um, mm-hmm. when, you re- when you mentioned like, oh, my own like practice is very personal and yeah. Just curious, like to go into that a bit more. I I think like we all like kind of do our own things because we are personally invested. But yeah. I, I don't know. That's rarely talked about. Yeah. So, um, why I say that my practice is fairly personal is because a lot of the things that I then share with my dancers come from what I've experienced, what um other people have shared with me, and these are things that I find that it works for my body. So when I find that it works, almost like even for normal technique class in performances when I do things these are like little tools that I hang on to if I know like I have to do certain things how do I get through it if like if the the way the choreographer or the teacher is guiding me perhaps that day is not working for my body then what can I do for myself to still you know almost be in that performance mode and then still draw from something so almost like instead of just saying I'm just gonna do the movement and get through the day how can I make it interesting for myself so it's almost like an internal dialogue so a lot of times in performance and especially when I'm doing a solo or I'm doing a group work the difference the distinction for me is when I'm doing solos this idea of how I can negotiate how how much I think and what my body is feeling is much higher as compared to when I go with a group work because when I go with a group there's so much more stimulus from other bodies that also intrigues me so these are days where if you are feeling a little bit dead inside, then you draw from it and then how that works for my body. So using all this, it fits into my practice in such a way where I then share it with my dancers and then I then get different, um, not exactly results, but different reflections from how they feel, mm. which I feel like it's slowly starting to make me see how, you know, I can almost create a practice that it starts off in this um, direction but then it bleeds out to a lot of variations which is also very exciting for choreography because then there's so much more that you can draw from. It's not just yeah. you trying to create a piece but it's really a piece that you create with your dancers and then, then deliver it back to the audience where you don't have just one intention. It comes out in a facet of different multiplicity. And then I realised that Ren is for you. You also talk about how you know, the idea of becoming and how your practice is also um, very, like, driven from the body. Would you like to share a little bit? 
think I was thinking about what the body is mm. and even now in rehearsals um, because my research follows the process of creation in um, The Silly Little Girl and the Funny Old Tree um, produced by the Young People's Performing Arts Ensemble and directed by Ange Pin, right? So a lot of the things that surface for me is that the body is really a presence because even sound itself is a body the voice is a body so i think in a lot of like western research we tend to think of the body as divided from the mind when actually it is the same thing mm. and it's something that it's always 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 changing like it changes so much from moment to moment that what works from you for you five minutes ago might not be working for you five minutes later mm. and I think, like you, what I've realized is it demands such an acute awareness of your own instrument and also how it relates to the people around you. Kind of like a horizontality of relationship. Mm. Yeah. And actually, I'm just curious about Adams because yours is uh, like you're creating like a physical thing, like a book. Mm. And then, but for you, you're also coming from a very practiced approach in how you do your work. So mm. do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I was also intrigued by Renis when you said like, oh, five minutes ago, like your body is different from like five minutes later. Yeah. And I agree with that. I think part of the reason I'm doing this like book is, I guess, um, some kind of anxiety probably, right? Because we, or I know that at least like every day we change our moods, we change our bodies mm-hmm. and we change our feelings all the time. But, um, if you don't like jot these down or there's no tangible expression of them like you forget them you don't know what's going to happen in the future so with this um, book that I'm doing um, I I do I create performances and then I document them um, in writing and photo- in photographs taken by the audience members um, and, and this is like I don't know if like Art history will tell you that like oh this is such a stupid way to like document performance because now we have video like why not just take the whole video and all these things, but for me I think I'm really interested in that tension between something that is like written and like recorded versus something that's completely ephemeral. Yeah. I resonate a lot with that because it's almost like um how the body kind of dies every moment right mm. and and then I think um the word rehearse if I'm not wrong comes from the root word comes from like horse is death mm-hmm. so to rehearse means mm. to prepare for death wow. and to do it again and again and again and then that juxtaposition with how recording something and making it permanent yeah like to me what I've realised in in that I'm still trying to grapple with is that is that the only almost the only way you can you can tame the body or to command the body is if you can command the present Mm. Which then for me, like, is very... Like, I'm still but trying to grapple with it. Yeah, because it, yeah. It, the present links to the past and also the future. But then yeah. it's this entire totality of time then. Yeah. <laughs> then what? <laughs> yeah. I think mm. it's really interesting that you guys are uh, fleshing out really crucial aspects of performance making and that you are using these aspects or these ways of doing performance as research. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see the boundary between creative practice and research? And how do you inhabit that boundary in your different projects? Mm-hmm. It's very hard. Because the research mind and the 
pract- the performance, the artist's mind is very different. I realise that as a researcher, I'm forced to articulate everything when everything that comes in performance stems from something that's much more primal and therefore intuitive and therefore I don't yeah. always consciously, logically know what's going to happen. Like, sometimes it just feels like this very small, like, string or voice that pulls you into one direction that makes you, you know, follow that impulse. And then when I sit down on my table and I try to write, I'm like, I don't actually know what happened to me. I think one of my professors in school said that um, there, it was very crucial during the process of my research to have a period of pure practice before I went into documenting it, it mm. and articulating it because body time is slow. and the bo- But even though the body remembers slower, it also tends to not forget. Like it's mm. an imprint there. And so I realized that what I've been doing is just to really carve out a section of time to be a researcher and then be a performer for the rest of that time. Yeah, and I feel like what you're saying also really is very um seen in the things that I do as a dancer. So like a lot of times we would go into an intense week of rehearsal, for example, a choreographer will be here and then we'll rehearse every day and then on Friday they'll be like, okay, now go home don't practice anymore just let the material sit in the body for a while and let it grow so there's this idea of how whatever you have embodied like the movements that you have tasted in your body Mm -hmm. how can it then slowly almost like a little seed like let give it time for it to come out on its own and then like water it a little bit you know give yourself give your body a bit of like self-care like do what your body needs and then when you come back on monday there's always this very like there's this feeling that it's not you can't really describe it. So, like, a lot of times you say, like, you know, you, you need to give yourself some time to do the practice first, then come and write about it, which is something I find um, very much true for me because now I'm at the stage of writing it. So after having that practice, it's been about, I think, a few weeks. So I'm slowly, like, after doing it for consecutive, not consecutively, but f- quite frequently for six months, when I look back at it, the way that I'm writing now versus the time that I was trying to do it and write it, it's coming out differently for me. Yeah. But then also there is a limitation of how much you can then talk about that experience mm-hmm. because when you're in that moment, sometimes there's no words to really describe it to someone. So for the research side, when you're trying to articulate it because you then want to allow, you want to share this idea of this knowledge. So the challenge is how do I then keep, how true can I keep to what I was experiencing and how much can I share? So that's something that mm-hmm. I feel like practice and research that I'm teetering be- between and the beauty of it is how much do you go into each site in the midst of you know showing yeah for, for me I'm still like um, I'm actually very skeptical of research or what we commonly understand as academic research because I feel like all research again I keep going back to this but really is for yourself like for instance especially like a bodily kind of research if you're doing this motion only your body remember it, remembers it like nobody will remember it, even if you tell them they won't yeah. understand mm-hmm. even with words if you explain like nobody really gets it and I'm thinking also like for my own own work where I so for me I think if I think about practice and research for me like usually from what I understand at least like people spend time spend a lot of time doing research and then like there's a workshopping process and then rehearsal process and then performance but for me it's like straight performance then I have to then I do the research after that because if I do any research like academically whatever like it's just like 
hinders me in the process and I start thinking about it when I'm doing the piece. So like there's this one piece that I did as part of my capstone project. Um, it deals with like um, bodily, mental, um, emotional endurance where I am crawling on the ground full body contact for one and a half hours around a perimeter of a space. Um, and there's, there was, how do I, like there's no way for the body to train that unless like, I don't know, you keep crawling every day, but then the body for me then becomes too athletic to experience that live performance aspect. Um, yeah, so this whole process of me writing that has been like super difficult because like honestly, like the first like semester of it, like I didn't do any writing because I, so I cannot do anything. I have to like do the performance before I can do anything else. Where would you like to see where and how would you like to see more research in the landscape of the performing arts in Singapore? Or how, I think a better question is, how do you see yourselves contributing with your research into the landscape? Mm. Um, is there a place for research in, the, in how we experience dance and theater and performance art in Singapore? Right now, off the top of my head, I've because I'm only recently um, completing and printing the book, so I'm now thinking about the process and how everything has been. Um, so what I've come to now is I'm personally interested in a lot of like, endurance um, doing with the body and with the mind, and I'm realizing also like um, I oftentimes demand that from my audience also. Like I want to do a piece where I'm like 30 minutes on stage, I'm just jumping, and then I want you to stay with me. And if you don't, then you can go. So for me, I think it will be about like embodying that kind of research or that process so I would like want the an audience also like to experience like what I'm feeling so that they can actually understand yeah the piece yeah and I feel like research and practice is something that you know it's, it's a very interesting it's almost a very personal thing for everyone and I've always I've actually wondered what would it be like if you watch not exactly a performance, you wouldn't call it a performance. What if you, someone, a choreographer actually has an intention to create this piece, so they have a process that they take their dancers through. Why not put that process as the performance and then mm. take your audience through that journey? How will it be like for the audience, you know? Because like, we are mm. in, I think in Singapore, we are very, it's very common to go and watch performances and to watch the end product. But I think now and then, slowly, slowly, you have people trying to, push a little bit of boundary like trying to show a bit of the process of it so one of the pieces that we did for dance fest um it's by martin Schick, and he actually um created this piece based on how we are in the rehearsal studio so he's trying to show that idea of even though it is rehearsed after a while as we keep doing it we then become almost like we're performing but every time when we go into it we try to then bring the audience on this almost very in the moment of making the decision on stage because each of us has so there's this section where we have games and then it's really child games someone can shout let's play catching and we really play catching on stage we'll run through the audience and everyone's like just going everywhere and it's really in the moment so you know you know the, the materials that's really been thrown out stage so how can you then take your own responsibility as an artist to really stay true like how can i try a game that really um, almost throw your other dancers off that they are really thinking in the moment like okay now I have to do this game and I've never heard of it how do I play so how do you show those moments on stage where audience can almost pick up that you know they are really here with us they are not it's not something that they have planned like there is a task at hand there's a structure in whole of the place how can you show them like these moments that performance are almost like them too we are also human and that we are also trying to bring across a message and um, I think vulnerability is something that 
it's a very um, empowering tool to show your audience, like the piece that we did at National Gallery, um, Trisha Brown Sticks. So it's a very simple task. We have a stick on our head and we just walk down straight. And then the idea is to how do you maintain the stick at that level? And you see the performer. It's always more interesting to see someone who is struggling to get it because you see that the idea of them really staying in the task as, as an audience, you are almost like in it with them. So these are really things that no amount of rehearsals can prepare you for because mm. you never know that day something may just slip. And those are the moments that I find that by bringing it into the landscape of Singapore, you then can show almost a different side of performance and then how does the research then supports it. Yeah. I feel that... Um Actually, I don't know how else to share research other than practicing and just creating work and creating more work. And I feel, I feel that in Singapore, there's a tendency for the spectator to have a kind of like distance from the yeah. actors or performers on stage to go like, oh, you're a performer, I'm a spectator. Yeah. But then what's missing for me is kind of like a very human-to-human contact. And I think that maybe if we want to get people interested in the maybe primal impulse behind the research which is in the work of creation itself then it first they can't go in they can't go in thinking that it is research they have to go in like with an openness and being able to receive it as a work because going back to Adam's point like a research is Mm. based on the self like what the self needs and wants and Mm. and the audience or like rather the the witnesses of the work the the people receiving the words the work need to find for themselves what it is that draws them to it and then maybe we can go in more into where it comes from or how how it's being done so listening to you know all three of you talk, it strikes me that some of the things that you're saying are quite radically different from the way we understand you know academic research, right? There's a very personal kind of aspect to your work. Mm. It almost feels you know one of the old-fashioned ideas is that it needs to be proven, it needs to be unbiased, it needs to be replicable, right? Mm. Um, and it, it seems to me that all three of you are speaking first and foremost as makers. And then second as researchers, mm. and it's and as as we know, you know the way that your program is formulated, it is very much an embodied practice first, research first, followed by the kind of thinking and writing. So, and we know the benefits of that, right? Mm. But can I challenge you maybe to just kind of tell the listener what has the more theoretical discipline of thinking and writing? How does that change the way you? Think about your practice. Mm. Or not. <laughs> it's a long pause. Yes. I can go. This um, will be our closing question. I think, okay, yeah. sure. Um, so for me, over the past two, three years, I've um, started to be more, I guess, um, playful with my essays. Um, I've began to be more personal with them and write from a very... I guess intimate perspective. So I have to do like these like essays about philosophy, and then I'll like write this story about this pretend philosopher telling their their own like life story or whatever. So I also write most times without punctuation, without capitalization. So when academic professors see these things, they're like, "What is this? Like, stop doing this. This is really annoying." But then I, in the work itself, I show them that there's also like 
academic research in these things. I can also show you, I'm personally invested and show you that like, yeah, I'm bringing all these like previous, I don't know, writers or like critical thinkers into this work itself also. Um, and particularly for this um, capstone work that I'm doing, the more disciplined part of it is really the editing process, which I think is similar to like a academic research writing paper kind of process. That was the most difficult for me having to like um, cut short a lot of my stream of consciousness and like um, trying to like link um, disparate like performances, disparate like criticisms and thinkers together, um, which has helped my performance for sure. I think I think I need that. I mean, it's not just a binary, but for me, there is there is that like, oh, I'm doing everything at this moment, not thinking about anything. And then there's also the other part that's like, oh, I'm thinking heavily. How do I move this forward? How is this contributing? And those things need to come together for me. Yeah, I think like what Adam had said, he has put it very nicely of how, I like how he used the word playful because uh, a lot of times when you go into research, you don't think of playful in that category. So for me, it's also... Um, the idea of that critical thinking and that research mindset really comes in when I start to, after churning out the work or like coming out with materials, how can I place it in a way where, you know, it can still have an artistic flair, it can still show that it's a very personal practice, but how do I share it? So the moment is, how do I then almost present it to people and allow them to see how this practice, you know, is something that comes it's something that comes from a personal experience, but you can also tap on it and you can also draw something from it. Because the idea of uh, a research that is done is to as we are always told in school is to always to share it. You're always drawing from other people who has done the research, mm. who has come up with things and then you then get inspired from them. That's why I feel like sometimes collaborate, it's almost like I would say it's a collaboration on paper. Mm. So I'm really finding different people who has, you know, from a dancer's point of view, from a choreographer, from a philosophical, from a poet, from mm. acting. It's always finding people from different practices that works for them and then the interesting thing is if it's something like Adam's doing a text how can I put that in touch mm. how do you touch a text or something like that so if I would like to draw it from him I can still put what I want to do and then see how that comes out as research and then the research part is really just articulating what I've done taking you through the steps it's not like it's not a method but it's taking you through the steps of how I come to where I am and then if you are reading it then it makes sense it's almost like you read a genre of book that you don't understand but you can still get a gist of what the author is trying to say at the end of the day mm. yeah what what is very interesting for me is really the in a theoretical um, articulation it's the whole lineage of of like almost like the ancestry of whatever the knowledge that you've produced you know you can tell whom this person has been like influenced by you can see how you yourself have been influenced by this like mm. avalanche of different factors and and also I think because it's such a self-reflexive process for me it forces me to really go deeper and deeper to find out why these things connect and why I do practice in a certain way mm. like for the self for it's this entire process of like inquiry and, 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 and questioning and after I write a piece of paper I realise that I end up with more questions <laughs> than answers and I don't know what to do with it but I realise also that for the for the reader it's a way in which my my practice doesn't just exist in a vacuum. It exists as, it exists as something that can be 
linked to multiple multiple strands of thought and then it's a challenge if you want to touch the essence of that thought then you go into practice with me yeah i think we will wrap that up um i think that the idea of of research being a collaboration across time across bodies across lines of thought across practices i think that's a really nice way of closing this podcast uh, i would like to thank all of you guys for coming here and opening your research process at this stage just before completion of your degrees and a shout out to the three of you uh, we have Raniste, Pei Yun Chua and Adam Blau who hopefully very soon will have very nice things to show for everybody in Singapore thank you very much thank you thank, thank you, you.